Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. If you're like me, the past few months, especially the last couple of weeks, have felt incredibly heavy. As a team, we've been mourning and grieving, and in that process, we were reminded yet again how important it is to plant our feet firmly on the foundation of God's Word. That is exactly what we're going to be talking about with our guest, Tara Lee Cobble, today. As you'll hear, we recorded this episode months ago, but we know that it will encourage you to reach for the Word as your source of truth and comfort no matter where you're at today. Tara Lee Cobble has a zeal for biblical literacy that led her to create and develop an international network of Bible studies called D-Group. Every week, over 250 men's and women's D-Groups meet weekly in homes and churches around the world to study scripture. She also writes and hosts a daily radio show called The God Shot and a daily podcast called The Bible Recap designed to help listeners read and understand the Bible in a year. Her book, The Bible Recap, a 365-day guide to reading through the Bible, releases this fall. Now, let's get on to my conversation with Tara Lee Cobble. Tara Lee, thank you so much for joining me today on the Journey Women podcast. I'm so happy to be here. And I wish your listeners could see you. You look so cute in the middle of quarantine. You look adorable. How dare you? Sitting in uh, my two by four sound booth, which my (laughs) husband constructed. If you saw the outside of this baby, you would not be thinking cute. All right. This is made of plywood (laughs) sitting in the dresser nook of our 1200 square foot house on campus at Dartmouth. So I love it. I hopped in here. This is soundproof to protect us from the sounds of my kiddos who are playing with my husband (laughs) just right outside the door. (laughs) Well, if you hear a leaf blower outside my apartment, I will wish I had a two by four soundproof box. I have to tell you that the last time I heard your voice, I was actually doing a 5K. I don't think I've done a 5K since, and that was probably two years ago. You were chatting with Jamie Ivey on the Happy Hour Mm -hmm. podcast, and I just kept thinking, oh my goodness, how did my sister from another Mr. Kindred Heart, like (laughs) she's just there. I'm interested to hear like our timelines and how these things line up because uh, the Lord really just gave me such a desire to study his word and to read the entirety of the text. When I was 19, I'm 32 now, 
I just have enjoyed doing that. And it was really fun to get to hear you talk about the number of times that you've read through the text. And now you have a podcast and you're writing a book and you are just consistently putting out content for followers of Christ just to encourage them to get into the Word of God, specifically to read through the whole entire Bible, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. So I'm really excited to get to chat with you about that today. And then also about discipleship and D group. There's so many things that are on the table. Thank you for taking time to join us and to chat about these things that we are so passionate here at the Journey Women podcast about. I highly encourage people to go over and check out the Bible recap. What else do you want to tell them about what you do on a daily basis, Tara Lee? Oh boy, daily basis. You know, that that changes all the time because of the the variety of projects that we put out. But the Bible recap, our shorthand way of describing it is it's just a, a podcast that is great for you if you've ever closed your Bible and thought, what did I just read? Like, why is that important? Why is donkeys talking? What just happened? I don't understand. You know, like, so for anybody who has ever felt confused by scripture, um, what it says or why what it, what it says is important, it's a resource. Because I read through the Bible, I had to read through it twice last year, got to read through it twice last year, but um, as a part of this project, and I'm doing it twice this year, I'm actually, I think, on my 13th trip through. And so what you do. I'm sure you know, and any listeners who've done this know, is every time you go through, there's a sort of an arrogance in us that's like, I know it all now. You know, I've learned it. I've read the whole thing, got it. And then you read it again and you're like, still learning new things every day. And that's one of the things I love about it because I don't like for things to be boring. I like to learn new stuff. And so I've taken notes year after year after year. So what I did was compile all those notes into... um like a document, researched them through commentaries, things like that. I remembered what questions I had when I was reading through the first time and um, then built out this podcast that goes along with the one-year chronological Bible reading to sort of answer the questions that I had for the listeners who might be having them for the first time to reveal some of the things that I learned over the years of doing that. So right now, what my days look like are you know, we had a lot of people early on who were asking, oh, can we get transcripts of this? So we started making transcripts available. And then they were like, can you do a book of the transcripts? And that book would be just enormous. I can't, <laughs> it would be so big because the podcast is only like eight to 10 minutes a day, but for 365 days, that's a lot. Eight to 10 minutes of text, like when you're reading it, that's a lot of text. Yeah. Yeah. It's about 1500 words a day. So the year of recap is almost as long as the Bible itself. What we did was we took the best content from each day's podcast and condensed mm -hmm. that down. We abridged it. And so right now I'm in the process of editing the Bible recap book. So it's kind of like the podcast in book form. And we'll release that in November. November 3rd is our release date. So very excited. Just in time for Christmas presents and for people to start on their journey January 1, like people like to do. That is what my day looks like right now, is editing this 750-page book. Holy smokes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Good thing you're staying at home with lots of extra time on your hands. <laughs> exactly. That's fantastic. I, I absolutely love that. Can't wait to get a copy for myself. And I think it's just so encouraging to have women who are doing it alongside you. You know, that just encourages you yeah. to truck through some of those more difficult passages where you can find yourself getting bogged down if you're doing it solo. So I love that you have created just a a community of people who are really doing life together, even at a distance under the word of God. That's such a gift. I'd love to hear how you became 
passionate about reading through the Bible? I mean, you said you've read through it 13 times. Like, why is it important for you to do that? Oh, man, this is such a it's kind of it's a very humbling story, slightly embarrassing, but one that maybe a lot of your listeners will relate to. I <laughs> I grew up in a home where the Bible, the Lord, the church was the center of everything. So grew up in church, don't have a memory that Jesus isn't somewhere in like early on. So my, my wow. earliest memory is my mom reciting John 316 to me. My second earliest memory is my brother Jason leading me to Christ on a Saturday night while he played shoots and ladders. I think I was probably three and a half or four. Oh my goodness. That Very is amazing. Young. Yeah, I know, right? And I don't I don't, you know, no one I didn't know what anything meant at that age, but really I, I think maybe most of us don't know what we're really getting into when we come into a relationship with Jesus. So but I do believe that that is, you know, that's when he, he saved me and went into high school and college with a love for the Lord where I was I was leading Bible studies and I was writing some Bible studies and things like that, and then went into full-time ministry out of college and was uh, as uh, I was a touring musician, and so I was playing concerts and talking about the Lord and leading worship and all that. And at one point uh, in that journey, I met a pastor when I was touring in South Carolina who said, hey, have you ever read through the whole Bible? And I was like, I'm sure I've probably pieced it together over time. And um, and he was like, well, I think you should make sure that you read it all and maybe don't say very much on stage until you have. <laughs> So I was like, okay, well, I think I've probably said something really stupid and wrong. <laughs> That's why he's like gently inviting me to do this thing. But it turns out he just he just says that to a lot of people who are in full-time worship because he had, I guess, or full-time ministry, he had encountered people who had not ever done that, who were endeavoring to be in ministry, but who hadn't ever read the word. Did he like t qualify that after the fact or was it just like years later you found that out? I found it out years later. Oh, man. <laughs> but I will say we were friends. So he he was gentle. He was kind. There was nothing about it that was arrogant or condemning. It was it felt like an invitation. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. You know, the conviction that I got from that was from the Lord, not from my friend. And so I started the next day and read through the first time and I was blown away by all of the things that I had misunderstood and all of the things that I had not never heard about at all. And so yeah. what that does for a person who has grown up in the church, who is in full-time ministry, and all of a sudden, all of these things are being dismantled, is you realize that some of them were placed a little like higher in your heart than they should have been, and some of them didn't belong there at all. And so it was disillusioning, honestly. My first trip through was real hard. I was like, I thought I knew this God, and I guess I don't. Hmm. Like there were some things that were disruptive in the text that you hadn't really reconciled or really wrestled with. That's a great word for it. That's a great word for it, disruptive. And so it did not make me want to, this is the kindness of the Lord, it did not make me want to turn away from God for very long. That would, you know, I would have that feeling occasionally, but mm -hmm. it would it wouldn't be strong and it wouldn't be persistent. And so fortunately, I think that was because the Lord had placed around me some mentors that I was taking my questions to. And so I had that friend who's the pastor, his name's Lee, and um, and then another friend in Houston named Kemper, who is a pastor who I would bring my questions to when I encountered them in scripture. And they would answer those questions for me in much the same way that I'm now trying to do for my listeners. So 
when I would hit those walls, Mm -hmm. they would help me see the broader picture. And I didn't have access to the broader picture because I hadn't read all of scripture. Mm -hmm. My, one of my mentors was like, Hey, that thing that bothers you, keep looking for that because you might see it more than here. So instead of telling me to ignore it, he was like, lean into the questions, lean Mm -hmm. into the things that are, that are disruptive. And of course he knew that the things I was seeing were things that were true of God that I had never been told about God. And so I decided to go through it a second time. And, you know, with all of my hesitation and like, well, this did not go well. Are things going to get worse the more I read this? And the second time was when I just fell in love with the Word of God. I just, it was transformative. And so I had a DM exchange with a, a woman on Instagram who was like, am I crazy? Because I don't like what I'm seeing about God in the scriptures. And I was like, not only are you not crazy, you're not alone. That's exactly how I felt. Mm. Press through, the good stuff is on the other side. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing, they're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the Word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving Word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. There's so many questions that are coming to my brain. <laughs> I guess, like, how did reading the text, like, offer a more robust understanding of God's character? And how did you begin to reconcile some of those things that were really disruptive for you? For me, looking at Scripture as I naturally do, I'm looking for myself. I'm looking for where am I in this? Which person mm-hmm. in this story do I relate to the most? How can I be like the person who's the better person? How can I do the thing that pleases God? Oh, God is angry with that person. So God is angry with me. I was looking for me. And that was my that was my primary problem was I was looking for the Bible to be a story about me. Yeah. And as I talked with my mentors, I realized that it's it's not a story about me. It's very much a story that um, is about God, and He's sharing the story of who He is to connect with me about who He, so I can know Him. And so, uh-huh. when we look for ourselves in Scripture, we either grow mostly we, we grow um, away from the Lord because we're fixing our eyes in the in the wrong direction, and so we put things on him that aren't fitting. So once I began to look for God, I then began to see the whole arc of the storyline. Reading chronologically was key for me. And I know that's a that's a popular thing right now. And some people love it and some people hate it. But for me, it was necessary because my brain is so linear. And to be able to see those places where God gets angry at people and punishes them 
And we like to pull those out of context and be like, God is just, he has no patience at all. He's supposed to be patient and like, look at him. He's just destroying people. And then if you look at the whole storyline, you see he has told them over and over again and over and over and over again what to do. And he's even told them, if you don't do this, here's what's going to happen. He wouldn't be a good parent if he didn't follow through on that. No one wants to hang out with the kid whose parents promise discipline and never follow through on it. That kid is horrible to be around, you know? When you get the whole storyline, you see like, oh, that's what I, I want a God who follows through on those. I want a God who is a God of justice. I want a God who is long-suffering. He waited longer than he told them he was going to wait. He punished them less than he told them he was going to punish them. And yet he still is a God who keeps his word. And so for me, looking for the character of God, not looking for which person am I in this story or how does this apply to me? You know, we, right now in our reading uh, plan, we are in this place where David has just committed a lot of sin. And people have been asking, how can he be a man after God's own heart? Like, look at all the stuff that he did. And even with that, I'm like, okay, hey, let's not look at what it says about David that God calls him a man after God's own heart. Look at what it says about God that God calls him a man after God's own heart. The fact that God still loves to lean in and embrace and use sinners is huge. The fact that God uses us at all, I mean, sinners are all he's got to work with, but how incredible is it that God is so endeared to David, despite David being such a sinner? That says so much about God. And so always looking for what the scripture reveals about God. It just changes everything because prior to reading through scripture the second time, I really had a high anthropology, just this high view of man and what we deserved and what God owed us and why God was doing things wrong. And after reading through scripture the second time, my anthropology just flipped on its head. We are not inherently good. We do not deserve anything from God. Every breath is his mercy that he hasn't just annihilated us. You know, we've committed treason against the kingdom of light. And everything else on top of not killing us is just his abundant grace. Reading through scripture really helped me it not only changed my view of God, but it changed my view of me by fixing my eyes on God. Much like Tara Lee, I have struggled with coming to the Bible and jumping ahead to uncover what it means for me instead of seeking to understand what it says about who God is. As we come to know more of who God is through His Word, we grow in our understanding of who we are in light of Him. The bottom line is, we forget the truth of God's Word every day. We read and we study not to earn spiritual brownie points or to become some kind of super Christian, but to remember who God is and what He has done for us in Jesus. And the most amazing thing about reading His words is that as we pour over them, God actually uses them to act upon our minds and our hearts. Bible study is a relational activity. It's not just about knowing who God is. It's about actually knowing God. What would it look like to seek to know God as you read His Word, even today? I would love for you to go into that a little bit more, just about how it has changed the way you go about your everyday 
like you're talking about seeing his irresistible grace in the text uh, as you continue to refresh yourself with it year and year again. How has that changed the way that you go about life on a daily basis? I think the biggest thing that, and I'm so grateful for this, and I, I, I still say this even with a little trepidation because I know I still have this in me. It's not that I'm on the other side of this, but I've really seen the Lord uproot entitlement. I had such a mentality of, okay, I'm doing all these good things. Uh, According to scripture, I'm a good person. I haven't committed any of the, the big sins, any of the embarrassing sins. And so God owes me the life and the husband that I want and the this and the that that I want. And if God doesn't do those things, God isn't coming through and he has failed. And, you know, all of those coffee mug verses that we like to take to that a lot of them point to our entitlement. And it, it's so disheartening to see, you know, like delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. We are like, this is a promise. You owe me this. Clink. And that was a cheers. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you're delighting yourself in the Lord, what are the desires of your heart? You know, and even viewing that through the lens of like, maybe that means that God will put the right desires in your heart when you delight in him. But we take it as this, like, God's going to give me everything I want. I would look through the Bible. And if you look at my, the versions of my, the Bibles that I've had when I was in college and before, there's all this underlining and highlighting of these things I've pulled out of context to mean things they don't mean, to make it look like God owes me something because I hadn't slept with anybody and I hadn't committed any murders and I hadn't done any narcotics. And, and so it was like, oh, great. Things are going to go well for me. And so when my anthropology was flipped on its head and I began to see everything as just the abundant kindness of the Lord, I'm still single. I don't have that husband and I have never felt more delight in the Lord. Hmm. It's just the best. It's so, like I said, I still have entitlement. I know it's still there. That on a daily basis is how I have seen that shift things for me. It's just recognizing that I don't like the world isn't built around me. And so even like, this is, this really surprised me. This is a, it made me so happy because this is not like me at all. Uh, About a year or so ago, I would be in traffic and it used to be, I would be like, oh my goodness, like why won't this person go faster? Or like, oh, you want to merge? Oh, right. Sure. Of course you want to merge. Of course, of course you want to cut me off. And now my heart is doing this thing and I didn't do it. Like I said, it's not me where Whenever somebody's like got their uh, their signal light on, they want to merge in front of me. My thought is like, oh, I can help you. Like, yeah, yeah, scooch in. Hmm. That's the Lord, because my heart is entitled and impatient and selfish. And to see Him showing up in those spaces where I have been sitting on the throne is so delightful to me. It's so delightful. I'm <laughs> just like, oh, that's oh, this is a new thing. I never thought that thought before. That's you, you know. But by the grace of God, that's right? like my key phrase in life. You know, I think so many of us know the importance of studying the word and we really want to. Like it's like we see the value in doing it. And yet it's a challenge to press into the habits of Bible study. What advice do you have for somebody who feels overwhelmed and intimidated by the thought of reading a book as robust and rich as the Bible? It is overwhelming. It's overwhelming just like anything worthwhile is somewhat overwhelming. Anything worthwhile has some level of difficulty that you can't undercut. 
you you have a, a dream house you want to move into, you know, there are probably going to be renovations or you're going to have to build it. You're going to have to pack everything. You're going to have to decorate it. But you don't do all that in a day. You do it bit by bit, step by step. You want to get married. You got to plan the wedding. You got to, you know, all that. And all that stuff is just phase by phase. Uh-huh. And so looking at it as a day-to-day thing, instead of thinking, I'm sort of in this space of realizing like, or trying to think through how we can encourage people to keep reading through the Bible every year, instead of just treating it like a checklist, like I want to read through the whole Bible and now check, done. And then they either stop reading or they just stop reading daily or things like that. The plan moving forward is to read my Bible every day of my life. And so just today, what does that mean today? Today, that means 12 minutes. Do I have 12 minutes today? Because you can read through the whole Bible in a year in 12 minutes a day. And if you're a slow reader, then the Bible app will read it to you and it will read it to, and it takes about 12 minutes a day. If you're a fast listener, you can do it in 2x and 6 minutes a day, you know. And it's not a race, obviously, but that's just one of the things that mm-hmm. I think helped me to understand how to break it down into step by step. That is the commercial breaks on this is us. Mm-hmm. You can listen to it <laughs> in the shower. Get a aqua Bluetooth radio st- speaker thing, put it in your shower and put the Bible and it'll play it to you while you shower. And I just think anybody who's listening to this podcast right now has access to the tools. If they're listening to this podcast, they've got time. They've got a smartphone. Press pause. You know? <laughs> yeah. And so it's like, by the time they listen to this podcast, they could have done five days of reading in the Bible. Yes. I have a friend who, in quarantine, she said, I'm going to try to read through the Bible in 14 days. And she did. Yeah, I believe that. I really do. Do you find, too, that reading in a shorter period of time, I mean, obviously a year is great, but for me, reading in even a shorter period of time helps me to make even more connections in the text because you're like, oh, that just happened, you know, but I might not have read it for another week if I'm doing a Bible reading plan. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I do think that's helpful, reading it in a more condensed time frame, if you're able to do that. One of the things that we try to do with the Bible recap, so the Bible recap, you know, it's like an eight-minute podcast every day. So you do your 12 minutes of reading and then the eight minutes of recap. And we are careful to try to zoom out on like, okay, here's where we are in the storyline. And remember, this happened, even though we read that thing yesterday, it actually happened 200 years ago. Or, you know, like just sort of... Uh, showing the gaps or how condensed it is. That's so helpful. That's another reason reading chronologically, I think, is really helpful. Yeah. And I think considering your season of life and taking a really honest inventory of your time, like you're saying, you can figure out what's going to work for you. There's so many different ways you can go about it, whether it's, you know, the daily Bible reading plan Mm -hmm. or reading it in a more condensed time frame. How has your Bible intake varied in different seasons of your life? Last year was just all Bible intake when I was doing the Bible recap and I was writing it. You're drinking from a fire hydrant. (laughs) It was uh, truly, you know, 15 hours a day of me sitting at my dining room table reading and studying the Bible. I thought because of how hard that was, it was so hard. I thought Mm. because of how hard it was, I would be relieved when it was over and I was not. Hmm. When I hit like day 364, day 365, and saw that I was almost done with the project, I grieved. Oh, because you just wanted more? Yep. Felt like a breakup. 
Oh. And um, I literally walked around my apartment with my Bible tucked in the waistband of my pants for like, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't want to be away from this. Like It's like me and my Walkman in eighth grade. That's fantastic. <laughs> exactly. I was like brushing my teeth with my Bible in my waistband and, uh, <laughs> you know. But uh, one of the major shifts for me was when I say this, some of your listeners are going to like feel unnecessary shame. Do not feel shame when I say this. The biggest shift for me was when I switched from reading at night to reading in the morning. I am such a night owl, Mm -hmm. such a night owl. And it's the only time when the world is quiet and I don't have to go to bed at a certain time. I have to get Mm -hmm. up at a certain time and I have to be somewhere for, you know, most of my life I had to be somewhere at a certain time. And so my mornings were more limited than my evenings. And that was why I told myself like, okay, evenings are better, you know, whatever. But I had so many friends who just said, just try it for a week in the morning. Just try it. And like, I'd be like, my brain isn't awake. You know, then the thought of like, but what better thing to wake my brain up with than the truth of God and his word? Mm -hmm. That's such a, that's a better thing to wake me up than anything else. And so just trying to carve out that morning time and it made a huge difference because then I had the other 16, 18 hours of the day for the Lord to remind me of the things that I'd read, for me to, you know, meditate on it, put it into practice, for him to like speak it back to me. But that just never happened when I read it before bed. By the time I woke up the next morning, Mm -hmm. I wasn't meditating on it and remembering it and thinking about it. I probably couldn't even have told you what passage I had read. That was one of the the big things that made a big difference for me as far as like how it's looked different over the years. So again, there's no shame in the nighttime quiet time game. I love what you said about just putting into practice and like meditating on thinking on what you've learned in the morning. That's so helpful. And for me as a mom of three littles, five and under, uh, just even just having the Bible out and having it like accessible at all times so that you can catch those 12 minutes whenever the opportunity arises. Um, that's been really helpful for me too. One of the things that's been so encouraging to me with the Bible recap is we have people who will you know, take pictures of themselves doing the Bible recap and they'll post mm-hmm. it and they'll share it on our Instagram. And so many of them are doing it with their children, with their four-year-old, their six-year-old, their 11-year-old. And of course, the kids don't understand all of it, but I'm like, I don't either. So like, it's going to be fine. You know, it's not this thing that they have to distance themselves from their kids to get in the word. They're getting yes. in the word with their children. And here's what I know. I grew up in a home where we were having family devotions around the kitchen table every morning at 6 a.m. I remember that. That formed me. That shaped me. Seeing my parents read their Bibles and live out their Bibles and having that built into me from such a young age Mm. determined the trajectory of my life in a lot of ways. And so for the parents out there who are like, I can't get away from my kids, don't. Don't. Invite them to join you. Be like, here's what I'm doing for the next 10 minutes. You in? Cool. Totally. And then tell me one thing you learned. Tell me one question that you have. What's one thing you didn't understand about what we read today? And then let's try to find an answer. Obviously, I say that as a non-mom, so I... (laughs) Well, I I give you a wholehearted amen. That's like the only way that I memorize scripture is with my kids. And I think the first couple years of motherhood, you know, I had this system that was working with the note cards and the tallies, and we still do note cards, but I've come to the realization that doing it alongside them, it's 
it's amazing. Actually, they can memorize faster than I can because their Mm -hmm. little brains are so pliable. Mm -hmm. And then we do it together. And it's like, well, this is obviously what I want to be doing, teaching my kids scripture. And I want to be doing it myself, too. And so it's just really wonderful how the Lord is like, it's this thing that we want to do and we feel the pressure to do uh, by ourselves, but he has given us a rich opportunity in families to do that communally. And that's what we're to do in the church, right? To gather right. together around the word of God. And so it's just, I try to think about that whenever I come to the table, even though my kids are really young and it does look very chaotic. And yes, we did do Bible study with one of them climbing on the table uh, <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> oh my goodness. I think in motherhood, that's a real tangible example. You're using what you're learning in the text to teach and train those whom God has given you to invest in. I know you are so passionate about making disciples and about pouring into other young women, like a Titus II kind of discipleship. So how do you teach and share what you're learning? I mean, obviously, you do this through the Bible recap and all of those kind of more public things. But on a personal level, like when you're engaging with women with the hope of sharing what God is teaching you through his word, how do you go about incorporating uh, those conversations about what you're learning with the women who you are investing in spiritually? I think a lot of it just looks like some emotional honesty. (laughs) Last week, I was really angry about something. And anger is not an emotion I feel very, it's not common for me. So it's very Mm. disorienting to feel so angry. I had a staff meeting that morning and our staff for D group and Bible recap, they're just, they're fantastic. They're incredible. And we start every staff meeting with prayer and praise and devotions that morning in my prayer request, I was like, I'm just really angry. And instead of going and let, here's, let me defend all the reasons that what's going on is not okay. And why God needs to do something about this. I was just like, I need to do some digging in my heart to find out what's underneath that anger because we'd had the the staff meeting before I'd had a, really had a chance to spend time with the Lord about it because it, it sort of came up right before the staff meeting. So just my prayer is that the Lord would reveal what's happening in my heart so I know how to deal with this anger because I knew it wasn't righteous anger. It was uh, unrighteous anger. So righteous anger, cool, have all of it, but this was not. And so emotional honesty of like, here's what I'm feeling. I'm confessing that. I'm going to talk to the Lord about it later. And then being able to circle back, you know, with some of them afterward and be like, and here's what the Lord revealed. And here's what I'm, here's what the Lord's taking me in that. And here's what's happening. Those opportunities to either justify our sin or own our sin and confess it to one another. Mm -hmm. We get the idea that pouring into people is all about us, like revealing all our wisdom and knowledge and all of our brightest, (laughs) shiniest, you know, everything. And sometimes it's about revealing your brokenness. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the most moving things I've seen in watching my friends parent is not when they discipline well or teach well or are patient, but it's when they screw up and they pull their kid aside and they say, look, I sinned against you and I'm sorry. And so I I have confessed to God and I'm confessing to you that I sinned against you and I'm asking for your forgiveness. Will you forgive me? That is incredible to watch a parent do. Some of the best ways to lead are not with your victories, but with your failures. 
And I love that. I love that admonition so much because, you know, I've been passionate about um, investing in younger women spiritually for probably the last 15 years. And I would say that the the primary way that my discipleship has changed in the last 15 years is doing it from a place of strength to now out of a place of weakness and really seeing God's abundant grace in that. Uh, One of the core values of D Group, which is the discipleship ministry that I lead. Uh, one of our core values is lead with your junk. It's about like confessing. Don't bring your perfect self. Nobody wants to hang out with that person for two hours every week. Nobody here is perfect. And if you have perfectionism in you at all, uh-huh. we're here to chafe against that for the Lord to uproot that from you. The most impactful lessons that I've learned from women who have been so kind as to share their life with me has been watching them walk through genuine anxiety or depression or marital issues and them being vulnerable enough to open up and just share a little bit about what that's like walking through it and still looking to the Lord in faith. So it's encouraged me when I'm in seasons of real hardship to do the same, just to look to him in faith, even if I don't understand exactly what's going on in the midst of my circumstances. Yeah. What should be central in our discipleship relationships as we're doing this work? I think there's no real lens for us to know what is true and what is false and what counsel is good and what counsel is bad, apart from measuring things against the Word of God. We have the Spirit who speaks to us truth, encourages us, convicts us of sin, but we also have our own our own flesh that we have to be like, okay, is this God speaking to me? Is this me speaking to me? And one of the best ways to get a lens on what is truth is to look at the Word. And so without knowing the Word, it's very hard to have the kind of framework to help you understand that. And so the Word has to be central because that really gives us a barometer for everything else that we take in or do or anything that's a part of it. I remember my college mentor, Joyce Lassie, placing her palm firmly on the cover of her Bible and quoting this verse from Deuteronomy 32. She would say, For this is no empty word for you, but your very life. She spoke with the confidence that one can only muster after having walked a lifetime with Jesus. It's been over a decade since we did life together, but I'm still gleaning from the way that Joyce loved her Bible. She spoke about it with hunger reverence and awe. She adored it, craved it, meditated on it, prayed it, and saturated herself with it. And boy, did it show not only when she quoted it to me, but in the way that she lived life and loved other people. Joyce knew the struggles that I faced at the time, but we didn't spend the bulk of our time talking about my problems and how to fix them. Instead, we wondered at the word, We prayed the word together. We dug into it. We asked questions and we sought answers in the word of God. What's one way that you can make the Bible central in the relationships that you have with women in your local church? Let's do that today. And let's remember that for the word to be central in our mentoring relationships and in our friendships, it has got to be central in our own lives first. Another of our core values in in D Group is uh, the first core value is scripture as roots. And the second core value is community as fruit, because I think we can even make community itself the idol, where we're coming here to get to know each other and talk about our lives and all that's really good, but women are going to do that anyway. We don't need help doing that. And so what we do need help 
in doing is focusing on the word, Mm -hmm. getting to know the Lord, memorizing scripture, talking about what we're seeing in that. And so scripture, I think, has to be central in those relationships. Well, there you have it. What is one practical step for listeners who want to dive into Bible study or who want to enter into some kind of a mentoring relationship where they're seeking to invest in younger women after listening to what you have shared with us today, Tara Lee? Can I, I mean, is it okay if I do a little plug here? <laughs> That's what the question lends itself to. <laughs> All right. Perfect. Because we've spent a lot of time creating this very tool, you know? A lot of people start on January 1, but what we tell people is every day is day one for someone. Amen. Everybody starts. Like my first trip through the Bible was in August. Exactly. And so instead of jumping in where we are now, because it is chronological and because we Mm -hmm. do build on itself, we want everybody to start with day one. But before that, before they even start with day one, the thing that I would say is my answer to your question is we have some prep episodes and it looks overwhelming because there are six of them, but some of them are like five minutes long. Yeah. So you can listen to all six prep episodes in like an hour, which is Mm -hmm. the amount of time they're spending listening to this, to listen to those six prep episodes. And I think that will, whether they ever do the Bible recap or not, it will equip them to read the Bible in a way that's helpful. It will teach them, I talk about all the mistakes I made in reading scripture, the lessons I learned about how to read it rightly, why it's important to read it rightly. I actually have an interview with that pastor who who challenged me to read scripture, and everybody loves that episode. But listening to those six prep episodes, whether you ever do the Bible recap or not, mm-hmm. I think could be helpful for people in reading through scripture. Well, that is so exciting. Thank you so much for all of the hard work and energy you have invested into those resources to further equip the church to love God's word. It's so clear that you do. Reading the word is one of my simple joys. And Mm -hmm. one of the questions that we ask every guest who comes on the Journey Women podcast is, what are three of your simple joys, Tara Lee? I love that. I love talking about joy, first of all. I love sitting on my balcony. You know, we're in the middle of quarantine right now. And I'm spending a lot of time on my balcony. It's not big. It's, uh, I think, like five by 10, maybe. But I just go, I sit out there for as long as I can every day. (laughs) I love that. Balcony hangs. Balcony hangs. Sparkling water. I love sparkling water. I got. Do you make your own or do you purchase it? I make my own. You know, it's a little more eco-friendly. It's a lot more financially friendly. So I have my little soda stream and I drink two liters of sparkling water a day in addition to all the other things that I drink. I fill up two of those liter bottles every day and drink them. Are you just like a liquids gal? Because I totally am. I I am. (laughs) You go from the coffee to the smoothie to the... (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Beside me right now, I have a 24 ounce water bottle that I've been working my way through as well as a 17 ounce protein drink that I've been working my way through. And uh, yeah, coffee, green tea, water. Well, I like how you said working your way through because Brooks and I, Starbucks just opened up here Uh on the tail end of COVID-19. We were out of the parking lot and my drink was completely gone. And he was like, really? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is a sidebar. This is another way we're soul sisters. This, I I have uh, some heart conditions. I was born with multiple heart defects. So I have a cardiologist and by the grace of God, after my second open heart surgery a couple of years ago, I don't have to take any medication at all for my heart. Except this one pill that my cardiologist says, the only reason you have to take this pill is because you drink too much water. If you would stop drinking so much water, you wouldn't have to take this pill. And I was like, 
you back off. I'm going to drink my water. The pill is $3 a month. It's very cheap and there are no side effects. Give me my pill. I love how much water I drink. I love it. Man, we could just go on and on here because now I want to know what mug and cup you use, right. but it's all right. We'll talk about that offline. <laughs> uh, all right. So you have one more simple joy for me. Yeah, eating meals outside. I think every meal mm. tastes significantly better when it's eaten outside. I love it. I completely agree. Yeah. My mother-in-law, they're in the Dallas area and we eat every meal outside when we go mm. to her house too. It's so nice. I'll like bring out a blanket and like wrap up in it. If I could just go sit on my balcony and eat. And that's year round. That's not quarantine specific or weather specific. I want to sit outside. Oh, you would love it here in New Hampshire. Mm. I got to say we sat outside for the first time in a while because it has been snowing, but it was absolutely fantastic. And I completely agree with you there. That is so fun. Well, Terry, you have had such a great impact by, by God's grace. And I know you would just echo that uh, mm. on so many people. So grateful to him for using you in that capacity. And it makes me want to ask you, who is it that's had the greatest impact on your own journey with Jesus? Obviously, growing up in the home that I did, my parents had a huge impact. I think of you know my Sunday school teachers through the years who taught me things. But that pastor who asked me that question, his name's Lee McDermott, and um, he still he pastors a church in South Carolina. Nothing has changed my life or my heart or my relationship with the Lord more than reading through the Bible. This eternal thing has shifted in such a dramatic way because he said, "Hey." I think you should read through the whole thing. Start tomorrow. Everything changed. Everything. That makes me smile so big. And again, (laughs) I just feel like very united with you in that. And so I'm so grateful for your encouragement to our listeners to that end today. Thank you so much for joining us on the Journey Women podcast. Thanks for having me. And thanks to all your listeners for uh, for listening with us. I'm sure they'll start listening to the Bible recap if they haven't already. Man, I really hope this conversation with Tara Lee encourages you to just go grab your Bible and dig in. This is definitely one of our favorite topics here at Journey Women, so be sure to check out previous episodes on Bible study as well as the free Bible study guides available on our website at journeywomenpodcast.com. This conversation is the very first installment of our summer series, so be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on new episodes in the coming weeks. Today's episode was edited by Chad Michael Snavely. We are so grateful for him and for you. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. We can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.